So people know when you're extremely biased about something and when you're not. So go ahead, Sumit, tease up. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Name is Sumit. And again, thanks for having me on this podcast. So I wouldn't miss an opportunity to be a part of the legendary Mondays Down South. So um, yeah, glad to be here. Uh, sports allegiances, you can see very clearly by the logo on my jacket here, but I'm a longhorn for life. Um, I grew up in Austin since I was two years old. And Austin had no major league sports teams until very recently. So um, Texas for football and basketball. Um, I'm also a huge soccer fan, though. Like soccer was my sport that I played growing up just competitively and in high school. So I got Premier League teams. Um, Chelsea is my number one. I'm a, blue, I'm a Blues fan. So um, and then just like U.S. national team soccer as well is what I follow pretty heavily. Um, I just want to give a shout out to our fantasy football league and to our Austinomies. Uh, Samin and I actually met for context when his girlfriend was graduating from UT and my cousin Shrieker, which a lot of our listeners know well, or was, were graduating from UT. And that's kind of how we became friends. And then, you know, we've traveled and, and done other things together. And as a result of that, we got a We have a fantasy football group with a bunch of guys who, you know, we're good buddies with. And we talk smack all the time, like all day, every day. Samit less than me. He's, he's more I like a less man. I'm a silent, I try and be a silent uh, <laughs> contributor, but he's, man, y'all talk. <laughs> yeah, all day, every day we talk smack. And the reason I bring that up is it kind of tees it up perfectly because I would say 90% of the people in that group either went to Texas or support Texas. And I'm usually the one guy that's like the non-Houston fan or the non-Texan or, you know, UT fan. So we end up getting in a lot of debates where I'm basically on my own versus the whole team. But with respect to today, this is what this is what tees up the topic. We're going to talk cultural playoffs. Um, I've had two separate conversations with Smeet, with Evan. People have different takes. So what we're going to start with is what our perspective is on what the committee's decision making was, what they're for, and then beyond that, we're going to give you guys our predictions and picks on what we anticipate happening in the actual playoffs. And uh, should be a fun one, a little more unique than usual years. So with that being said, um, Evan, I'll let you start it off because you were. You're pretty heated the other day, as was I, and I think it'll be good. And we'll let the uh, the Texas fan go last so that he can he can have his rebuttal. Yeah, I think I'm less less uh, heated now about this one than I maybe normally would be for whatever reason. But I, I think for me, it all comes down to like what do they view this as? Right? Is it supposed to be the best four teams as of the day that they're deciding, or is it supposed to be? the four most deserving teams, which for me is the teams with the best resume, right? And if it's the teams, I. I know they've been clear that it's the four best teams, but for me, I think that is just the like clear wrong way to go about it because it just devalues the entire season. And one of the beauties of college football is like how big every game matters during the regular season. Um, so for me, like, I just think like resume has to carry more weight than like a snapshot of where we're at, at today's date. And 
you know, in the past, they've been, been able to be a little more coy with how they view, like, like they were able to usually tie the best four with the best resume as a whole. And it never equated quite as a big of a discussion, but this decision was clearly going to be, okay, you're going to have to put a line in the sand here. Is it the best four teams? Cause I don't argue at all that these are the best four teams right now, obviously given that Jordan Travis is out, but I just like, I mean, undefeated power five team, a team that's beaten LSU, one of the better teams in the SEC. Um, they have, they've played a legitimate schedule. Like obviously Travis has been out, but since he's been out, they've won like two solid games, like especially the Louisville game. Like I just, I just can't buy into the, uh, the fact that the most deserving teams don't um, get it because it like clearly the regular season just does not matter in college football anymore. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. I, uh, like that it just, you know, kind of shot the whole regular season into into nothing, even if they did get the best four teams right, in my opinion, given that Travis is out. So Yeah. I think I'll get my I think I'll get my negativity out as well because I concur with everything you said. The part that gets me is the precedent of prior committee selections. Um, because if you look at it from prior years, the reality is FSU normally gets in, right? And I think this like clearly was their focus on money and ratings because people like no denying. I wholeheartedly agree that these are the four best teams in the nation with Georgia and Ohio state, maybe right behind them. Um, and with that being said, I, I understand that this makes for better football. It's going to make it more fun, but as a fan of sports and as trying to look at it from the perspective of if this happened to one of our teams, right? Like if one of our teams had the same resume, the Florida state did, we lose our starting quarterback, but we still win every game that we play and we win our conference championship and we get left out because, because your quarterback got hurt. Like that is so ridiculous and so unfair. And if I was FSU, I would be trying to sue them. I would be doing everything I can. Not that it's going to mean anything because the NCAA is the most corrupt organization probably in sports. So not that it's going to do maybe right next to Samit's FIFA. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's really bothers me a lot to, uh, to, to think about it from that context. However, with all the negativity out, I have been a hater of Texas football for a long time, not because I don't love Austin, Texas, and not because I don't have a lot of buddies from Austin, Texas, but because I've always been frustrated that it is a team that has always gotten great recruits and has all this money poured into it from boosters and things like that, but it's consistently underwhelmed since like the Vince Young, Cole McCoy era. But I got to give the flowers where the flowers are due, and this season – they deserve to get in because even if FSU did get in, I think there was a valid argument for UT over Alabama. Um, whether, whether we agree one or one is better versus the other, even as an SEC guy, I'm trying to be fair here. And so congratulations on that to me and, and to the homies. That's pretty awesome. And I, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys to, to have some fun out there. And with that being said, go ahead to me. We'll get your take. Um, thank you. I'm going to get my positive uh, vibes out. I've been waiting years for this. Like you mentioned We've been, and look, I, I'm like a, I, there's like a whole spectrum of Texas fans, right? And like, there's a lot of history to the program. I'm definitely like, I, I try to be like neutral and skeptical. I'm not, I don't want to be the person that says Texas is back every season. There are people like that when they, we show flashes at the beginning and then continually disappoint. So it's been like 14 years, man. So I am like, this is like super exciting that we even like got this opportunity uh, but yeah, like that being said, I think you were alluding to the corruptness of what is the college football playoff. It's a broken system. Um, you know, Florida State 
it's like really unfortunate that factors like their starting quarterback being injured and like just changing their entire offense is like a reason why they don't get in, like despite having a perfect record, despite being a conference champion. Um, albeit there are examples of non-conference champions with like losses that have gotten into the top four um, for whatever reason. So, I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole as well, but um, yeah, ultimately, like, I don't think we can deny that Texas and Alabama one are like really exciting teams. So we're going to see like really good football in these two semifinals. And then um, we're, you know, at this moment in time, like we've showcased our dominance, at least the past two games, like clearly. So um, yeah, it's just kind of like best versus deserving. Like I do think the best like teams on paper or the best like performances are the ones that are getting in. So hook them all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just I, I agree. Just I mean, just to close the best first, most deserving thing. I think Sai, you nailed you hit the the what the nail on the head. I guess is the saying, but um, like it just gives like if you say the best, it just gives the committee to like have the freedom to like do what the heck they want, like and like not have any repercussions. It just gives them that buffer, which is like insane. But um, and uh. <laughs> I had one I'll more also thing give I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Have you have you have another thing? No, I forgot it. I forgot it. It's all you. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Jay Shaw because he. we were talking on the group the other day and I was thinking about it. And this is probably very true. I think part of the reason that they were more able to do this or more okay with doing this is because the 12 team starts next year. Some part of me thinks, and I think Shaw hit the nail on the head, if this next year that didn't happen, they would have had a much harder time leaving FSU out because then they couldn't justify it next year i think they basically just said uh screw it this is our last year of the four team let's just have fun with it and pick the teams that are gonna be the most fun to watch and like people can give us flack for like a couple months but the next year nobody's gonna really think about it anymore and we'll have a new system in place so with that being said it is great that you guys were able to get in with the four team right because even if you get ranked as a you know a top four team in future years it won't have the same level of like like, you know, power or dynamics of like getting into the playoffs. Exclusivity. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to be like an NFL playoff where it's not as, you know, not as revered. So that's pretty awesome. I listened or I heard something like interesting. I think, I don't know, it was on ESPN radio or something, but it was talking about how like when the college football playoffs was like um, introduced as like the mechanism for the end of the season in whatever, like 20, what, 2013 or something. Um, like it was to like bring back like subjectiveness like into the selection process. Like before it's like, okay, you were ranked like based like strictly on like your performance. It was really statistical based. Like you have a record, you have like how good your offense is, you have how good your defense is, like on paper, like these determine your rankings. And like we still have like some semblance of those rankings, but it's like ultimately it comes down to like these people in a room at the end of the season, like sitting down being like, well, this is why this team should be in. This is why it shouldn't. And eventually they make a decision, like knowing there will be people like with all the reasons in the world, which are very valid reasons why like their decision was wrong. So I think, yeah, it just goes back to this is broken. Like having more teams in the playoffs at the end of the season is just a way to at least better the end of the season, like it, more deserving teams and more better teams will get in to like play at the end of the season. So. 
Yeah, the other the other thing that bothers me is because uh, obviously most people care about the the top four, the the you know the actual playoff, but. Obviously, I'm a group of five, you know, alums. So I care about that um, that last spot to the New Year's Six Bowls, which, you know, next year will actually be a, a top 12 college playoff spot. And this year they gave it to Liberty, who's undefeated, but has literally the dead last strength of schedule in all of college football. Like, not like bottom percentile, like literally the worst. And yeah, they went undefeated, but they gave it to them over an SMU team that won a solid conference and just won the conference championship, which for the record, I actually agreed with that decision because SMU was 10 and two and like, you know, didn't have any impressive wins either, but like, it's just the consistency and the decision-making that doesn't make sense to me. Like you're going to reward, uh, you know, reward Liberty for going undefeated with no, no conference uh, or no strength of schedule. Um, but then you're going to kind of do the opposite with the other games. So uh, that it, there's just no consistency and they can just do whatever they want. Well, next year when Liberty has to play Georgia, the, they'll understand that you should never ever do that again well, in your life. You know? They're playing Oregon and they're going to lose by fifty because they have yeah. like the worst defense I've ever seen. And like, oh my gosh! But the, <laughs> I can't wait to see the is, spread on that one. We got to bet yeah. the over no matter what. I, I we could probably pull it before the, the end is or the the pod is over. But uh, and Sumi, the other thing I wanted to ask you is going in. So going into the games on Saturday, um, obviously there was a real chance that it would be kind of like you know, your Longhorns and then Alabama potentially as a four or five like decision they would have to make. Did you yeah. have concerns that they would potentially put Bama in over you guys, even though you went to their crib and beat them, you know, a few months I, ago? I had, I had low key concerns. Cause like, there was always the argument that, Oh, the, the Bama team that Texas beat, like, is not the same team. Like they're way better at this point in the season. Like, um, you know, Texas like had Texas, like, we weren't like destroying teams left and right um, every single game, right? There were like multiple games where like big leads were let up. Like we almost lost at the end. Like, so you, you can make the argument about the different performances. Um, but like, ultimately, like it always came down to like head, head to head, right? Like we went to Alabama, we beat them. It wasn't even just like by field goal, right? It was like 10 points. So um, yeah, under the, under the water a little bit but like I, I was still pretty confident that we could jump like i think it the, the basis was there yeah as bad as the fsu decision for me like that was the one that made me a little nervous and i think like really would have been like catastrophic because there is no way in your right mind that you could have put bama in over texas but i have a feeling i don't think they would have but like i think there was a chance that they could have you know if the circumstances were different and that one would have been like to me just pure like insanity and sec bias yeah, there would have been no like, like pushback if TCU was three and Texas was four. Like, I totally would have understood that. It would have never been like, oh, how did they leave Bama out? Although, the, here's the SEC bias in me. Believe it or not, this is going to be crazy. Even though the head-to-head -head was obviously Texas win, you know, early in the season. I'm not trying to take it away because it was early in the season. The argument for Bama getting in was somewhat there. I'm not saying that it would have been the right decision. I'm just saying when you look at because it's not like it's not like NFL, right? Like your losses also matter. And the irony and the funny part is, obviously Texas uh, beat Bama. They lost to Oklahoma, who by no means is a bad team. They're a good team, but they're not like a, a college playoff caliber team. Whereas Bama's loss was to Texas, who would have been the five, and then their win was to Georgia, who was the number one. The number one. Which is like which is like a weird. It's like the most. It would have been the most interesting thing ever because. If that loss was to any, like if it was to Ohio State, for example, Bama would have definitely gotten in over Texas, I bet, just because it would have been like, okay, they beat Georgia, 
uh, Texas beat Bama, Georgia was higher, whatever, or, you know, whatever it is. Like I, I'm just looking at it in that lens, but it is a very, it is interesting, but Texas, I think deserved it when you, when the more I thought about it, the more I was like, it is so damn hard to justify even with the, the win and the loss to say they lost the head to head and, you know, got left out. Like that would have looked really bad. Um, funny part though, is next year you can't even call it SEC bias because Texas will also be SEC. So we're all there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> As will everyone else. Life. Um, should, uh, go ahead, well, the, the other thing that kind of bothers me on that was it's like, I feel like they nitpick like all these other teams and like, obviously we don't know what the committee thinks. This is more the national media, but they nitpick like every other team for like, oh, they only beat this team by like three points or by like seven points. And they like seemingly forget that like Alabama needed an absolute prayer to beat a hapless Auburn team that got demolished by New Mexico State, who just like got demolished by Liberty. Like it, they just kind of they pick their battles when it comes to uh, to other schools. But anyway, I'm happy Texas got in. Congrats to me. Yeah. The other, I, I got the other thing you mentioned, Cy, was the 12 team playoff. How perfect would this have been? The year like this year have been for specifically the top eight, but like the top eight right now, because like Georgia could still obviously make an argument. They should be involved. Ohio 100%. State the same. They only lost to Michigan. Um, and then seven and eight are also good teams. I'm blanking on who they are, but um, well, I guess seven's Ohio State. Georgia is five, six playing. I mean, Oregon could still. It was Oregon. They, they've, they've only lost to Washington. They lost to them twice, but um and then I'm blanking on the eight team, but there's there's all eight teams could genuinely have a case that uh, they should be involved. So that would have been a fun uh, one of Florida State, of course. Yeah. So Florida State, yeah. Oregon. Um, yeah, the Georgia, Georgia one is, is actually crazy when you think about it because they basically were immediately ruled out after they lost to Bama. But when you think about it, the only fault that they had was losing to Bama, who arguably was the best loss out of any of the other teams that were being considered, right? But the problem that they had was it was a down year for the SEC, and the teams they scheduled in the SEC weren't very good. So their best win was like to I think Ole Miss when they were nine or something. I, I can't remember, but their best win wasn't as high as um, Texas and Bama's best win, which is that's like that's such an interesting case because there's a real like argument to be made that if Georgia made the playoff, they could have beaten everybody and won it all, right? Like they definitely could have. They're good enough, but. The reality is it's just timing and everything. So the 12 team this year would have been like epic. I mean, we would have had such an interesting field. OSU could very easily give a lot of these teams a run for their money. Like there's Oregon could, could put up a couple of good games, like you mentioned, Evan. So that would have been really fun. And then, I mean, it would have sucked if they put Liberty in, but that's, that's a different story for a different. Well, there's going to be one, there's going to be one guaranteed spot. So, um, yeah, but I would have much rather been like, I, I don't know about the Dukes, but like something like we, the Dukes, right? Well, if they made us eligible, then, you know, obviously we were in the driver's seat before App State lost. And then, yeah. but after Tulane, Tulane was in the driver's seat, but they lost. So if they, they gave lost, us a chance yeah. and we ended up winning our conference, it would have been us. So not too happy yeah. about that. But uh, I wouldn't mind playing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Although then our coach left. So we're down to like four coaches and like everyone's in the transfer portal. So it probably wouldn't have been a good thing anyway. So maybe things work out. But um, yeah, not the best thing. Uh, yeah. I guess that's uh, pick them. The, the, I have one actual other college football thing since we have uh, Sumit on. I was thinking about this the other day because I saw Quinn Ewers is coming back for another year, right? Which is awesome, yeah, for you guys. But so, what does that mean for Arch Manning? Because I transfer. Guess, is, is there a chance he leaves, I mean, or is he yeah. going to sit another year? I mean, there was just there was like a uh, 
whatever, I saw it on Bleacher Report that came out where Manning said that he is happy to stay. Now, how much credit that has, like, we'll end up seeing over time. But, um, you know, like, he still has his red shirt, right? Like, he he's, he barely played the season. So, um, I like one more year uh, and then he can, you know, take, take the starting spot um, after next year. Like, there's still, there's still ground for it. And, you know, we're a winning, we're a good winning program now. So like, he's in a good, good spot. Like he can join a team that if Quinn leads us to whatever next year, um, he can take the reins on like, what is still like a really good team. So I don't know. We'll see. Like, um, I love Quinn though. And like, I'm glad he's coming back to like, right. keep he's, he's performed like, especially the past two games, just like played lights out. And so I'm like really proud of like, there were some times in the season where like he wavered a little bit and it's just kind of like, Oh, like does Malik come in? Like, you know, does, does, does Manning come in and jump everybody? But like, I, you know, Quinn, you were starting quarterback, like it, he's doing good. So, um, yeah, yeah. We'll have to see. I'm also, I'm also low key joking because the reality is as one of the biggest Manning fans ever because of Peyton, um, I'll be rooting for Arch all the way through his career path. And hopefully he becomes a good NFL quarterback too. I think Texas is like, like easily a top five place for him to be. And like to have that program's like history behind it. And also like, I mean, he's red, technically would be a red shirt for at least one of those years. Right. So he'd still have like yeah. a couple of years of eligibility to play. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't see the rush. Like, and also it seems like from what I've heard that he needs a little bit more time to, to develop. It doesn't seem like he's like ready to come in and just take the league by storm the way Peyton and Eli did when they were playing. So you know, the hype train is a little bit high, so give him some time and he'll get his opportunities. So I think that's the right move. Yeah, I think wanting to protect him is like valid and like, you know, I mean he's made he made some he made some throws and like he had a little run in the Texas Tech game. Like these were these were good moments to see, like in a in a like a situation where it was like good to bring him out. So um but yeah, I like I agree. Take your time. You have like an elite quarterback coach in Sarkeesian, so like why not just continue to be in that uh, environment. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. That's gonna be my next question. Is he even good? But I think after I think that's a good point. The the red shirt year does buy some uh, buy some time for him to develop, and he should be fine. So who wins it all? That's the question. Go ahead, Samit. Start us off. I. We're going all the way. Like I have to I love it. Respect. Okay. Let, let me. Okay. I Washington is like a really good offense obviously the quarterback is like a, a a stunner right but like i'm glad that we're playing washington and not michigan so like i am i'm like fairly confident i i'm yeah fairly confident for uh the sugar bowl um michigan bama though like i'm gunning for an alabama uh final because I want to beat them twice and once you get for a national championship. Last time we played a national championship was against Alabama and they literally like broke Colt McCoy's shoulder. So uh, I don't forgive them and I would like to play them again and destroy them. So yeah, Texas Bama final, Texas takes it. I love it. Sai, what do you think? Well, we have the same finals prediction except with the opposite result. Um, here's my SEC Ooh. bias. You know, it just means more. Um, all jokes aside though, Bama's looked really good. Even the Auburn, I, I won't dispute the Auburn game was a little bit absurd, but one of the really key notes about that is their offense has been 
significantly better in the last um, half of the season compared to early. They were so slow early season. So and and Noro looks really good. So I think I think Bama Texas rematch in the finals would be my favorite game to watch too because it would just be like two programs with so much history and Sarkeesian and Sarkeesian was Nick Saban's offensive coordinator for many years. So it'd be really cool to see the coach similar to Kirby smart, um, Nick Saban kind of matchups. Like that'd be really cool to see. So I'm rooting for that to be the game. I mean, it'd be great for Texas to win, but I'm picking Bama like not just to be biased, but genuinely because I, I just see them having a lot of momentum at the moment. Um, with, especially with the big win against Georgia, that's going to give them a lot of energy going in. However, one point that I do want to make is Washington's getting mad disrespect with Penix, who's the the best quarterback in the entire playoffs, and they're at plus 700. And then we 1,000% should throw at least a little bit of money on it in case they win because that's just so disrespectful. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, that was literally going to be my next point because I think the Texas-Washington game is going to be great. I think they're both good teams. Agreed. But, like, the or the Ducks were, like, 10-point favorites against Washington, even though, like, Washington won the first game. Like, I'm, the, I'm no college football expert. I, I can't even lie about that. But, like, the disrespect to Washington – is crazy relative to the other teams. So um, I think that that game's going to be great. I, I'm going to pick Washington. I'm going to pick Michigan to destroy Bama. I'm still not sold about Milrow. Wow. I love the I Michigan asking. minus. I love Michigan minus one and a half. Again, not a college ex- football expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Michigan's playing with a chip on their shoulder. And I worry that the championship could then be similar to last year where Michigan then just, well, it won't be, it'll be a different team, obviously, but, uh, and then Washington kind of maybe gets destroyed by Michigan, but I'm not, JJ McCarthy makes me nervous, but um, I think, I think Michigan is, is, uh, is looking strong right now. So see what happens though. It's a good, it is a great playoff. Um, it is. So yeah, it's just, you got you got exciting players just like all across the board. Like, yeah, two studs of quarterbacks in both semifinals, like, um yeah like it's it's just going to be fun like both games are going to be fun i feel like i never the michigan is like the bills to me i'm never going to pick them to be successful in the playoffs until they prove to me that they can be cuz every year they're one of those teams that has the best prospects gets there is in the conversation and then loses the big game and that's that's what i've seen from them every year so if they actually win this year then my trajectory will change but until i see it i'm just going to pick the teams that have shown a track record of of being able to actually win the big one. Fair choice. And Cy, Oregon minus 16 against Liberty. That is free money. Free Dude, money. Let's let's put like our whole bankroll <laughs> into that. And the over. And the over. What is the over? 65. <laughs> we should bet that today oh before the line changes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I think I pitched this earlier. I, it seemed like there wasn't too much from you guys. But any like under the radar bowl games you're looking at that you think will be interesting? I think obviously the uh, – the five six with uh, FSU exactly. and um, and Georgia right is terrific. But uh, any FSU, other man. any other under the radar ones they're you guys have seen trounced. and are interested in? They're not, dude. They're not. They're gonna get. Oh, they're, their defense. They're is not. Their they're defense de- is elite. Yeah, their whole team is elite. No, no, their defense is amazing. But Georgia's defense against FSU's backup quarterback is going to literally have like four pick sixes. So I'm not saying I'm not saying Georgia is going to beat them but this amazing offensive game because FSU probably had the best defense in the nation this year. Um, you know, that's how they won all their games. But the reality is Georgia's defense is top five easily. Like maybe it's FSU, Michigan, Georgia, and then whoever else you want to pick in that order. And Georgia is going to eat them for dinner um, on the defensive front. Like they're not going to be able to move the ball, dude. They couldn't move the ball against Louisville. 
Yeah, the third I mean, string I, I know. Yeah. But, so yeah, even the second good. string wasn't too good. But yeah. I mean, I think it's gonna be tough for them on offense for sure. But I, I think you know, I think it's just gonna be a low scoring like rock fight game. Like you know, um, I'm not a big yeah. Carson Beck fan either, honestly. Yeah, he was sick. Should we pump back to? Yeah. Let's move from uh, college to NFL. I think. <sighs> what do we got? Any uh, first games you want to talk about? It's a great question. I'm take a look right now. I think. Well, first of all, um, I want to go on my weekly rant about uh, Arthur Smith being terrible. Um, they won the game, but like that game was way too close for no reason whatsoever. I, I'm just I'm just so tired of watching them have all that talent and do nothing with it. So I just want to take my weekly moment to to give them crap, and then we'll move on. And now let's move to more positive storylines. Do you guys have any games you that stood out to you? And speaking of the Jets, though, uh, y'all see today that they want to make Zach Wilson the quarterback again, and he was like, nah. He was like, nah. <laughs> Wait, really? That's, that's so, God, what did they what? I feel for Zach Wilson, honestly? I, like, I, It seemed like Aaron Rodgers was going to try to talk him into it, but his first reaction was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Wait, why did he say no? Because he feels bad. He's just like, I probably like played like shit. I don't want to play right now. <laughs> Is that really? Oh, like, like he just he like lost all confidence in himself or something. I think it was it was like yeah, yeah, it was like yeah, like I don't feel like good enough about myself to go back out there and do it kind of thing. But he's literally Alex Moran from Blue Mountain State. I feel like if you guys have seen (laughs) that show, he's like, no, I'm good being the backup. I'm I'm good being the backup. Yeah, but Moran's actually good. He's just lazy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I saw like. Or I was hearing on the radio that like, oh, or might they might be like trying to bring Rogers back because of like his whatever his miracle procedure, and like they should not do that if that is still in the running. Like that sounds like a even terrible. If, I think it's too late. Again. Even if they were gonna make the playoffs, you should never bring like a forty-year-old guy coming off an Achilles back. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Tear it again. Yeah. I don't know what kind of voodoo magic this guy is having done that he can even move the way he is right now. It's kind of crazy. I want to give a shout out to the. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers for their absolute trouncing of the Patriots in a quality six to nothing <laughs> terrible game. Like, Dude, I have a I have Herbert. Herbert's my like QB oh, one no. in fantasy. I was oh, like, no. you're you are uh, you're projected for like 19 points, man, and you could not throw one touchdown the entire game. You couldn't run in a touchdown. You're that's. that's I, I saw his score and I was like, he's got someone in that game that let him down too. So I, I think that's a two way street there. That was the most classic Patriots game of all time. That's why I had the Patriots outright in that. And I was like, could we just get one touchdown? But no, they couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, I, I guess it was raining and like, whatever. Like, I don't know. Not classic bad weather. Yeah. 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 Back to Thursday, Cowboys Seahawks was awesome. I'm back saying that the Seahawks are a solid team. I know, Sai, you're not on board with Seattle, but. I think they're they changed, a good team. They, they maybe changed my mind a little bit. I think they're a good team. Um, good game. I mean, there's the obvious ones. Uh, I've been on the 49ers all season when they're healthy. Oh. And I said they were going to win this weekend, and I felt very confident about that take. So that's one where I'm going to give myself credit because I know I'm going to get roasted for my Chiefs bandwagon take later anyway. So I'll give myself credit for this one and then get roasted for the other one. Um, but, yeah, that was – just an absolute trouncing. The 49ers look like easily the best team in the NFL when they're healthy. And although Evan and I were talking about this off air, um, although, yeah, it might just be a regular season win that 
in a lot of people's mind doesn't mean anything. I think that was a statement. I think that was them saying like, Hey, I, we know we lost to you last year, whether you want to, you know, believe that they had a better shot with party in there or not, that, that, that doesn't matter anymore. The point is like, we're healthy. We will, we will come bringing the business. And it was in Philly. So let's keep that in mind. And they have a shot at the one seed now. So that was, I was so no, impressed. That, that was like a magnificent performance. Just like clicking offense, like every single play and like solid defense too. Yeah. I think it was a statement and like revenge statement too. Right. Like they came back, they got the result. Debo Samuel is the go, go Gamecocks. He said it. He, he came in all black. He was ready. He was ready. He talked his I, smack and he backed it up too. I hate yeah, when teams do the show up at all black thing. Usually it doesn't work this time. They, they backed it up so I can respect that. Yeah, it, it, it just reminds me of the Eagles beating the chiefs and like the wet, like everyone, like the opposing team's fans are like giving them a hard time for celebrating. Like, you know, in the Eagles case, like they actually won the super bowl and this time, like the 49ers actually won the NFC championship game. And it's like, there is a vibe of it's just like, you know, it ultimately doesn't matter that much. I don't think, like you said, it could matter for, in this case, uh, the Niners could catch them for seeding, which would be pretty important. But it's like, it doesn't undo what happened. And ultimately, we're going to have to see it again, probably. Um, I, certainly with these two teams, I think, um, you know, very possibly we'll have to do it again in uh, maybe a different stadium, but we'll see. I don't dispute that with the stipulation that the Chiefs-Eagles game was obviously a lot closer. And the reason the Chiefs lost that game is because – they messed that game up. It was nothing to do with the Eagles beating them. It was because their receivers couldn't catch wide open catches that Mahomes was feeding them for touchdowns, and they didn't. This game, the 49ers, like, destroyed the Eagles. It wasn't, like, a close game. So that was the difference on the road. But anyway, that's – I don't want to belabor that game anyway. We'll the see excu- it again. Yeah, and let, the excuse I will grant the Eagles, not that it – because they got murdered, so it's like it wasn't even close. But this, there's they were in a scheduling nightmare of, like, three games and, like – uh, 15 days or something crazy so they were they were kind of due for a, a clunker but again they got murdered so there's no yeah. uh, you know no one's giving them an excuse but um sure we got uh bad injuries this week man tank dell out for the year it's a bummer yeah yeah uh, kenny kenny pickett just as the steelers were starting to get going <laughs> is going to be out for a few weeks um man he got hurt so i'm not going to say anything but I want to roast the Steelers so badly for for y'all's take about them being good. Like I said it last week, I don't they, care if it's Mitch. You don't. You can't dude, lose that game twenty four to ten. They they still shouldn't have lost that game. Don't get me wrong, but like the weather situation, Kenny Pickett goes down. Like it, the Cardinals okay, played well. Like, going down is the one excuse I'll give them. But their defense is supposed to be amazing. And they're a seven and four team, and everyone's giving them all this credit for being seven and four, which you know Mike Tomlin deserves it. But they lost by two touchdowns, and actually they were going to lose by three. But the the you know Steelers had one of those backdoor touchdowns, like that wasn't even close. Like that's embarrassing, in my opinion. That game just got weird. I'm going to give them a pass and see what happens in the next. They need to weather the storm it's here. The with Cardinals, Mitch looked dude. awful. But the Cardinals have had their moments. They they played all against off. whom recently? They've been getting well, a not worse. recently. It's been a while. It's been a while. But I'm getting walloped. Um, um, I'm going to take a second to give my actually, Sumit. We keep throwing out games and getting reactions. <laughs> Throw something out there, man. You got on you. I was going to say I was going to say the Dolphins game because uh, yeah. Tyre, Please don't. Tyree Kill highlights. <laughs> oh, are you a Washington fan? A yeah, I'm just, fan. I'm just kidding. Oh, I didn't even watch. I can't. I can't deal with them anymore. But yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, that was no. I was just saying that was just a that was a lightning result, right? There was like no chance. Um, I, to me, I, I didn't watch the game. I was on the road driving back to Galveston from Austin, but I was just like 
hearing like uh, about Tyreek Hill. So yeah, he's. I I will say not to nitpick, but uh, you know, similar to how the Eagles cheat on the tush push, like Tyreek Hill's motions, he's coming forward on the snap, which is against the rules. I'm just saying, Tank Dell got called called that last week, and it cost me like six fantasy points. But they never call it on Tyreek Hill again. Not to whine because it was burning my team because he does it every week. Um, not to nitpick, but they I think should, they they should take call. It, but that. the flip side of that though is it doesn't take away from how insane he is. And the other sure. aspect of that is is I was at I'm in the DC area. Obviously, I live in DC area. I went to a bar with our buddy Patrick, who you've also met to meet. Um, and we're watching the games with Shreya, Patrick, myself, and his girlfriend Caroline, and. Where obviously there's Commanders fans around, but it's hilarious because I went to that bar at the beginning of the year, and it would used to be like absolutely packed, and people would be going crazy. They'd be like, "We got our future franchise quarterback," and this game it was like touchdown. Well, that's expected. Like, and it was also like they basically closed out one part of the bar because they're like, "Hey, we're not getting enough people to to fill it out anymore." Like, but that's kind of the trajectory you see with an NFL team and the energy in in a in a city. But damn, the Dolphins just absolutely destroyed him and Evan I am starting to not that it's on him but I am starting to wonder if we're getting a little too excited about Howell too early because he's he's faded again I agree with you it's not like his fault but he is he hasn't played well the last few weeks so I'm well and plus they're getting so high in the draft order at this point that like they're getting close to Drake Mayer and I love Michael Penix so dude take Uh, y'all are projected fourth right now so right I mean you're getting pretty dang high in this draft so it's gonna be an interesting decision but yeah he's he hasn't looked as good the last couple weeks so I'm He's been dropping in my quarterback rankings, unfortunately. If you uh, if you get a top five pick, you have to take a quarterback. I mean, that's like, do not make the mistake you made with uh, the Chase Young situation again, where you missed Tua and Justin Herbert. If you do that again and Howell doesn't pay off, oh my gosh. Like, especially with new ownership, that would be terrible. Nice plug to last week's episode, the GM episode side. Got you, I love man. It. I love Got it. You. Uh, you want to talk about the Colts game? It's a wild game. <laughs> uh, yes, let me... Uh, Look, here's what I want to here's what I want to say. What the fuck is oh, sorry, excuse my language. What is what is the AFC doing? How are my Look, I love my Colts. I am the biggest advocate of our defense of us being a well-rounded team. How are we 7 and 5 and firmly in the playoff hunt at the moment? And all these other teams with all this talent, the Bills, all these other teams, what is their excuse, dude? We lose our rookie quarterback early in the season. Jonathan Taylor, who is an absolute game changer. You saw it this weekend. Zach Moss did not have a great game. Taylor has played like three or four games for us. And we cut Darius Leonard like two weeks ago in the middle of the season. And we're seven and five. Like, what is everyone else's excuse that is behind us? I just don't get it. Like, like I, I don't. Like, this is my way of living. Like, we don't deserve to be in the playoffs. No, I, we just, look, we don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But I love, look, okay, let me rephrase that. We deserve to be in the playoffs because our team is has a great locker room right now. And we're playing our hearts out. We're winning really close games. We're playing smart football. And I'm so proud of the Colts. And I am so excited about the future because our ceiling is only going to get higher as we get Richardson back, as we continue to draft more players under Steichen and the new coaching staff. The flip side of that, though, is it's kind of amazing that we're in the position that we're in. So I'm just alluding to that. But regardless, that was a massive win, a huge overtime uh, you know, comeback win. We made it closer than we should have, in my in my opinion, but still an amazing win. And I'll take it all day. We got a good schedule going forward, so I really hope we go. You know, three and two at least. 
make the playoffs and it'll be like 10 times above what anyone expected out of the Colts this year. So super excited about that. And uh, Evan, my Colts are covering machines, man. Every time we pick them, they cover for us. So there you go. Well, the answer to your question is another, I'm I'm being kind of a, uh, you know, a hater and a a fairness, uh, a fairness person on this episode, but it's like, I I really don't like the NFL's like schedule of like, they align like the top team from each division with the top team of the other divisions in terms of how they create the schedule every year. Cause like your schedule has been like pretty easy. And I think you've gotten lucky facing some backup quarterback again, not to take away because I I agree with everything you said, they deserve, you know, to be in the, uh, the playoffs if it happened today and they've done an amazing job, but like that, like I get for ratings purposes and you get amazing games, but like the chiefs, for example, they got to play the best team in each division every week. Like the teams like that, it's just, it's, it's not the most fair way to do it, uh, but it does make for exciting television. And I think that's how you get some of these, like the Steelers or not. I know like, I kind of like them, but it's like similar idea where you get some of these teams that I'm like, how are they seven and four? Well, they, were last place in their division last year. So they play the, the worst teams in every division this year, you know, I agree with you, but it resets, right? Like, because then next year, if, you know, let's say the Colts had won the division, we would get those teams. So it's just a matter of it's, it's an every year kind of thing, but yeah. regardless, um, um, my Sumit, only other take any... yeah, Sorry, go ahead, ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to ask if you has any opinions on the, uh, the chiefs game. No, um, no, I, I didn't watch it actually, but I saw gotcha. that. Well, I, I saw that the Packers won, like, and that was a good upset. Um, but and I have AJ Dillon on my on my fantasy team, so I was happy. But <laughs> the Packers yeah, are a Jordan playoff team. Nice. Yeah, the Packers are a playoff team. I was saying it during the game before they they did kind of need to win it though. Uh, but they're a playoff team for me for sure. I think they're gonna. Well, they might even be in the spot at this point, but they they look really good right now. Specifically, I almost thought that Love was a, a good quarterback, but I don't know. I guess he maybe he's just playing more in his element lately. The thing that Lafleur said that was interesting during the game is that like it just took him a little while to like figure out what kind of play calling is going to work for Jordan Love, and then like kind of halfway through the season they've like gotten in a really good group because I, I liked Love coming into the year and then he looked awful and then but now he looks I'm back on the train. So true. Should we do picks? Um. All right, we're going to jump into picks. Uh, Samit had to drop, so just going to be Sinai on uh, on picks this week. But um, we'll start it off on Thursday night football. New England at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a six-point favorite at home with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. Over-under is 30, which is hilarious. An over-under of 30 in an NFL <laughs> game is crazy. Uh, it's like Iowa football or something here. Um, I got Pittsburgh winning and covering in a very low-scoring game. I can't pick them to cover because they're not going to hit the over. So I'm just going to go Pittsburgh wins money. line. <laughs> All right. Next game, Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Atlanta is a two and a half point favorite at home over under is 39. Sai, what do you got? I'm going to go Atlanta wins and covers. This is close enough one. All right. I'm going to take Tampa Bay out right here. Tough game though. Um, Rams at Baltimore. Baltimore is minus seven over under is 42 and a half. I like Baltimore to win and cover. I think they're going to crush them. They usually yeah, kill as, the as NFC much- teams. Sorry, my bad. I mean, as much as of a Rams shooter as I am, I at home I got to take Baltimore to cover. Yeah. Next game, Detroit at Chicago. Detroit is a three-point favorite on the road. Over/under is forty-one and a half. What do you got here? Wow, three-point favorite on the road. I mean, Detroit has not looked great recently, but I'll take them to win that one and cover. Yeah, I think that's like uh, Fields coming off a of bye could be better, but we'll have to see. Um, Colts at Bengals. Uh, Colts are two and a half point favorites on the road. Over under is 39 and a half. I got Colts winning cover against the backup quarterback. 
Yeah, I'm never going to pick the Colts and not win in cover until they show us they can. Yeah, they're a cover wagon, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, next game, Jacksonville at Cleveland. Jacksonville is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 36. A lot of low totals this week. Man, a lot of backup quarterbacks. Um, you guys start us off on this one. It's a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Cleveland? Yep. Jacksonville. I mean, Cleveland's defense is good, but Jacksonville wouldn't cover. Yeah, for sure. Um, Carolina at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is minus five and a half. Over-under is 38. I don't know about Carr. I guess, is he presumed to be out this week? Do we know? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say New Orleans does not cover. I'm just not impressed with New Orleans. I think I think Carolina could be a little scrappy here. What's the cover? Five and a half. I'm going to take the cover just because I guess Carolina got it last week. You know what? No, I'm not going to take the cover. I'll just take New Orleans to win. All right. Next game, Houston at the New York Jets. Uh, Texans are six and a half point favorites on the road. Over-under is 34 and a half. Um, you can start us off. I'm going to go Jets win, but no cover just because their defense has been so good. Yeah, that's what I have as well. This maybe reminds me of the time when Houston played Carolina and it was like a 10 to 9 loss or yep. whatever. I do have Houston winning this one, though. Yeah. Um, big win for them last week. No tank uh, we, Dell either. Yeah, we did mention it in recaps, so but big win for them. Mm -hmm. Um, next game, Minnesota at Las Vegas. Uh, Minnesota is a three-point favorite on the road. Over-under is 40-and-a-half. I had this one as Vegas minus two-and-a-half, which I'm like a little, like maybe, I don't know. I, I have Vegas winning this. I'm surprised by the spread here, given it's in the uh, yeah, this Allegiant. Is, this is a tough one. Uh, maybe they're assuming Justin Jefferson will be back, and maybe Ooh. that moves the line a little bit. Um that being oh my said, gosh, Evan Ingram, first touchdown of the year. What a world. Wow, there it is, Evan. You needed it, and you got it. Dude, Evan, like, Evan might make the fantasy playoffs now, gentlemen. This is what we Yeah, need. for context, I meant to cue this up earlier, that my playoff spot is on the line tonight, and I would need to win next week and get some help as well. But I needed like 20 points from Evan Ingram and Jags D, but the Cincinnati already scored one. So that was looking bad. And then Evan Ingram out of absolutely nowhere, his first touchdown of the year. So apologies for the reaction. You, we can focus up. No, no, do not apologize. You love to see it. And you love to see that uh, our boy Trevor Lawrence is up to eight completions too. So that's yeah. it. We got that's a, a, you know, a stifle Brown here. Sorry. What did you pick for Vegas? I, I, I'm struggling with that because I know Jefferson's going to like potentially back. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm I'm going to take Minnesota to win, but I'm going to stay away from covers in this one. Yeah, I think that's a good point on Jefferson. That's probably the piece of information that I was omitting from my analysis. So um, next game, Seattle at San Francisco. Interesting divisional game. San Francisco's 10.5 point favorites at home. Overrunner is 46.5. I actually have this spread nailed perfectly, but I'm going to say San Francisco wins and covers because they are a wagon. Yep, SF win and cover. Next game, another pretty interesting game. Buffalo at Kansas City. Um, Buffalo off a bye. Kansas City is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Over-under is 47-and-a-half. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this one on you to start. You know, I'm going to go with my usual my usual cover. Or not my usual cover, but I'm going to pick the team that I always pick. So Kansas City, want yeah, to cover. It's a tough one because I hate picking against Kansas City off a loss. Yeah. But I just think Buffalo played so well the game before the bye at Philly. Now they have a bye week and an extra week sure. to prepare. They beat Kansas City at Arrowhead last year, and I just ah, I'm not too impressed with Kansas City right now. So I'm going to take Buffalo outright. Fair enough. Probably, probably a mistake though. Next game: Denver at the LA Chargers. 
Chargers are a three-point favorite at home. Um, I, I'm going to say Denver outright. Well, what's the what's the cover? Three for the Chargers. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Chargers win and cover. Denver's look yeah. good, but Chargers win and cover. Yeah, I just think the Chargers are the most overrated team in uh, by Vegas constantly. Sure. Huge game. Um, Philadelphia at Dallas, Sunday night football in Jerry World. Dallas is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Over-under is 52-and-a-half. Start us off. I'm going to go Philly wins this game. Um, I, I think they're going to be coming out angry after the beating they just took by San Francisco. So I think Philly wins it. Yeah. I agree they're going to come out angry. I think, ah, this is, I think this is a very tough one. Dallas usually struggles when they play Philly, but I think they have an extra 48 hours to prepare. It's at home. I think they finally get over the schneid and beat the Eagles. Wow. Bold statement. Evan. I'll say cover. But that's it is three and a half. So I'll say they win and cover here. The Eagles wow. maybe start to see the regression um, as the schedule kind of works against them a little bit. I did not expect that from you. I know all, it's not. It's not. It. It's not in my nature. But I don't know. I get the feeling um, Dallas is. I get the feeling Zach's going to pick Dallas too. So we'll see what happens there. We'll have to see. Um, next game, two Monday night football games this week: Tennessee at Miami. Miami is a fourteen point <laughs> favorite at home, which is hilarious to me. Um, against the not horrible team. I mean, Tennessee's not good, but they're not horrible. Um, I guess maybe Derrick Henry had a concussion. Maybe he's going to be out. I don't know. Over-under is 47. I'll say Miami wins, but I can't, I cannot put the cover on the, the minus 14. You said minus 14. I'm sorry. Repeat that one. Yeah. Miami minus 14 against Tennessee. And Miami. Yep. Yeah. I'll take Miami winning cover. <laughs> um, Green Bay at the Giants. Uh, Green Bay is minus six and a half. Over under is thirty seven. I have no cover here, but I have Green Bay winning. You said six and a half. Yep. Yeah, I'm struggling. You know what? No, I'll take Green Bay winning cover. They've looked really good, and I don't expect Devito to have a great game against them. So yeah, winning cover. All right. Those are the picks. That's all we got. Any last words? No, that's it. I'm just glad we got to talk some college football. And thank you to Samit for uh, coming on uh, the podcast. I know he wasn't able to make the picks, but. It's great getting a uh, representative of one of the four. And uh, Evan, I'm looking forward to some some of these bets that we're, we got going on tonight. So we'll have to take a look at those. Yeah, should be interesting times for baseball too. Winter meetings this week, so which have been oh, unbelievably boring because everyone is just sitting around waiting on Otani to sign. But, I know. You know, we'll have to see. Any, there's, any a lot of, there's a lot of bold predictions. Bold predictions. Uh, I'm just saying there's, be bold a, predictions. there's a lot of Blue Jays buzz on Otani. I'm hearing the same. Lots yeah. of it. So it could be a smoke screen, though. You never know yeah. how these things go. So I've long been taking the field on Otani. It's been like Dodgers or the field. I've long been taking the field. I just, I, the Dodgers, was, it was always obvious and like logical, but I just didn't, I got the vibe he wanted to go somewhere else, like city wise. Yeah. That's the vibe Me I always too, got. Because I feel like if he wanted to go there, it would have been done already. You know what I mean? Just because they're going to give him exactly however much money he wants and this and that. But that's why I think the Blue Jays things could be a smokescreen because it could literally just be trying to milk the agent, trying to milk a little bit more money out of the Dodgers. But you know what? Everything aside, Toronto could be a very good fit for, for Otani. They have a great international scene there. Um, cool country vibes. Like they, they'll have a really good, um, they'll have a lot to offer him and he'll get to play against with a bunch of young studs too. So yeah, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense that they haven't been traditionally like big players for the top free agents, but they have like, endless amounts of money because like the Rogers Corp is like 
I, I think basically their owners. Sure. So it's like, they're just, they're very rich, but they just don't typically play at the top of the market. So that's the thing. I think Soto is definitely going to the Yankees too. Um, yeah, I think that's I, almost a certainty at this point. I love that too. Cause I really hope that the Yankees give up some really good prospects for a one-year rental. And then I hope my Mets swoop in after the end of next season, when we're ready to compete again in 2025 and then give Soto an offer, he can't resi- resist and we just take him away. That's my perfect situation there. Actually. You guys do have a bit of a hole in left field, so that would be good. I, and I, I do think he might not be able to – yeah, he might not be able to keep him. So. I think we've been looking at him since the moment Steve Cohen took over. It's the one guy that we hear in reports constantly because we've obviously seen him with the Nationals for so long, and we love how young he is, and we want the long-term guy. And you know Stern, somebody like that. Also, any predictions for Yamamoto because that's the one that I'm keyed in on. I'm, th- that one's so tough because everyone's in on him. I, I am <laughs> leading Mets still from a prediction standpoint, but I think – Boston's kind of dead. Like the Giants, the Giants have been missing on everyone. That's yeah. the team that needs to trade for Soto for me. Like, why are the I don't I don't think they have a ton of prospects is the problem, but like they need a star and Soto would be perfect. I don't understand why they're not like huge in on trying to get Soto. So probably because they don't think probably because they don't think that's enough and they can't lock him up. They can definitely lock him up though. They have they set up aside all this money for Aaron Judge and like all the, like Carlos Correa. They keep missing on everyone. No, so no, they, no, no. Meaning they can't lock him up because he will not sign an extension. Maybe. Like it would be idiotic for him to sign an extension. He's going to get like he already turned down a $440 million extension. Well, that. Yeah, he's not going to sign an extension, but they could still like get him on the open market. I mean, it's my, it's my point. But to your yeah. point, then they're not going to be good this year anyway. So they might as well just wait. That's a good point. Exactly. Um, that's a good point. But yeah, I'm leading Yamamoto to the Mets, but Red Sox, I'm worried though, Giants. Man, yeah. Yan- the, you guys will outbid the Yankees is the problem with that. Um, well, you got to think about this, though. If Otani doesn't go to the Dodgers, I mean, they're probably going to put all yeah. that Otani money. I mean, we could still outbid them. Right. But what if what if Yamamoto's like, hey, I like LA more than like New York? At the end of the day, if it comes down to money, we will get him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about him. We want him. And we will pay him like three hundred million. Like it's gonna, and I predict his contract will be over two fifty. Like people were saying yeah. around two hundred, it'll be over two fifty. Yeah, he should get he should get a huge bag. I mean, he's gonna be an immediate like top five to ten starter in the league. I, so I guess you're probably it's probably location maybe first. And if he wants L.A., it'll be Dodgers. If he wants New York, it'll be you guys. I think because yes. you'll outbid yeah. the Yankees. Boston is maybe Boston and San Francisco are kind of the. Uh, on each coast, maybe the sleeper teams, but there's also probably so many teams in on this. So, you know, the Cubs, you know, who knows? We may have to um, do an MLB recap uh, in the near future as a, as a segment. Nobody yeah. nobody will watch it, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun for us. That's what matters. <laughs> All right. That was Monday's Down South. All right, my God. Monday's Down South. Take care.